Hello everyone, we hope you're having a great day. My name is Bobby Katagola, and I am joined by my co-host and friend, Parsha Kasuri. Welcome back to our podcast, Growth Spurt, the best podcast you'll find on the internet about everything and anything, from public policy all the way to cellular physiology. Okay. Um, I think just like before we get started, um, if you want sort of like a brief background of what we do on our podcast. Um, so in our community, especially, there's a lot of students that sort of, um, they have like a really set career goal in mind. They're like, oh, I want to become a doctor that like solves cancer or, oh, I want to become an engineer, um, computer science or something like that. Um, and so with those sort of like ideas in mind, they sort of ab- abandon their passions and like don't really follow things that they're interested in. And so something that we really try to advocate on our podcast is like, it's really important to try and pursue those passions. And so that's why we have people like, we have research scientists, we have doctors that have experience in various types of fields. We have sports analysts, we have athletes as well, um, just so that we can provide our community with like uh, different resources and sources of information about different career paths. Okay, good. Um, yeah, we certainly talked to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, if you're ready, we can get started. Sure. All right, awesome. So, Marsha, who do we have on today's episode? Well, today we have the privilege of talking to Dr. David Levitsky, a professor at Cornell University. Dr. Levitsky's research is very interesting. Currently, he's investigating a new weight loss program to safely lose weight, as well as some factors that may lead to weight gain. Dr. Levitsky, it's great to have you here. Thank you for speaking with us. Can you tell us a little bit more about your research? Uh, sure. Um, <clears throat> I believe, just a belief, that a phenomenon known as age-related weight gain, and that is, means that uh, <laughs> from your age until middle age, there, if you look at populations, there's a slow increase in weight until middle age. And it turns out that that rate of growth between late adolescence, where you guys are, until middle age is our best predictor of heart disease, diabetes, of of intestinal cancer, uh, of uh, stroke, uh, so it, it, it seems to me just a presumption that if we could slow that rate of weight gain down, stop you from getting so much weight, that we should be able to decrease all these horrible diseases that emanate from the weight gain. So that's what my research is totally dedicated to. How do you slow down this very slow and it, it is very slow. We gain somewhere between 25 to 50 calories per day per year. You can't even see that, okay? But we're overeating by this amount. Uh, and the result is this slow, insidious weight gain over time that eventually leads to all these pathologies. So what I want to do is slow that down. And that's essentially where my research has been for the last 30 years. Mm, yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I think personally, me and Harsha um, growing up, um, sort of that like childish weight, that was something that we struggled with. 
Um, and we were um, successfully able to lose most of it. And so I think one question that I had for you is like on TV and on like, to, uh, like, I guess like on the internet, we see a lot of advertisements for like these magical weight loss programs and things like that, where you can lose like 35, 40 pounds in like three weeks if you take like this red pill or something like that. Um, what are your thoughts on those types of programs? And do you think like- Oh, you want to make money. It's <laughs> a weight loss program because there are thousands of ways of losing weight, okay? Mm. But losing weight is not the problem in, in weight loss. It's how do you sustain that weight loss? Yeah. Uh, and that, that is an issue, and none of these programs can provide the data to show you that if you lost weight with whatever it is that they're advertising, they're going to sustain it. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's what, what our research is, is geared, finding a way you can lose weight or at least stop from gaining weight, but, but maintain that forever yeah. for the rest of your life. I think sustainability has to do more with the lifestyle more than like a certain program or things like that, because like, even if you look at them, they just don't seem like you, like, yes, you can lose weight, but I feel like losing weight is just calories in versus calories out. But you, it's not about, it's not about your health anymore. It's just about losing that weight. And that broad impact on health is like completely gone. You're right. You're right. And, uh, but I think we need a, a little help from our, uh, uh, some tools that we, we need because to take a step back and you have to ask the question, well, why are we gaining this weight? Is it in the air? Is it pollution? You know, what, what is it that's causing it? Because if we want to stop it, there are the things that we have to, to work against. Uh, and it turns out that, that uh, the reason you're getting weight is that humans are terribly vulnerable to stimuli that are related to food. Uh, in, in, the, in psychology, we call this priming, uh, food priming. Uh, and what that means is that if I show you a stimulus that's related to food, you will probably eat. If I offered you a platter that had stacks on it, or whatever party, and somebody comes around and offers you a platter with that, you're going to eat it. Okay? You're not hungry. You're not wanting. But the sight of food is a very powerful and very old in terms of neurology, how we develop a mechanism to say when food is around baby you got to eat it now because you never know when it's not going to be there again so we are set our neural systems are set to say if there's food out there eat it okay now we were never faced with a situation where there's a surfeit of food and that's that's the problem we're facing now so we are living, not just we in Ithaca, New York, where I am, but we everywhere in the world are susceptible to all these food stimuli that are out there, like in terms of advertisements, vending machines, restaurants, restaurant advertising, all these things 
are going to impel us to eat a little bit more food than we expend. And that's why you gain weight. Mm. Yeah. Um, going off of that, something just popped into my mind. I think I read a couple of years ago that based on the food you eat, certain types of bacteria in your stomach um, continue to grow because they take like a portion of that energy from that food. And they have some effect on the signals of your brain to like, if you see that food to eat it, is that true? Or is it like some sort of pseudoscience? Yeah. Well, there's a, in in nutrition and medicine, there is a a big thrust for, to look at what's called the microbiome. And this is the fact that we, we, we have to carry this, this load of bacteria in our gut, very large number of of uh, cells in our gut that are devoted to just breaking down foodstuffs. Um, and there are many ideas out there right now that they are maybe the cause of, of why we're getting fat. Uh, I don't believe that. Um, <laughs> I, I realize the motivation behind the people that are writing this <laughs> to, to come up with something new, but I don't believe that because we have, our physiology really has not changed in a very long time period, thousands of years, okay? And if you look at weight, and and there's quite a bit of data out there showing our weight didn't start to take off until the 1980s. And then we see this, this, this rapid gain in weight that's related to all these pathologies. So the, the, this idea of the microbiome as being the cause of obesity is out there, which, which brings me to a very important element is that there's a lot of money in this business. The person that figures out how they're gonna stop people from gaining weight or even better, get you to lose weight, it's worth billions. So. There, there's a, a, a lot of stories out there trying to convince you, you invest in my country, in my company, I'll, uh, I'm gonna come up with this pill, it's gonna get everybody to lose weight. So there's, there's all this tremendous uh, concentration of effort, uh, primarily to get your dollar so that they can invest in this. Um, so uh, I'm not surprised that, that you were struck by these, these uh, stories about the microbiome. Um, but so far, I don't see how they're explaining anything, nor do I see how they're, they're, they're going to uh, lead to any, uh, any solution to the problem. I mean, like one of the things that we're always taught about in school is sort of how like we need to start eating healthier because like America has one of the highest obesity rates in the world. Uh, That's true. I think, or at least from what I've heard, sort of like the rise of fast food and how like uh, how important it is in sort of like the American diet, um, like it's made its presence like very, very prominent. And I was just wondering like what makes fast food so much more appealing to Americans compared to other people in different countries? Uh, uh, by the way, fast foods are everywhere in the world, not just in the United States. And wherever there are fast foods, you'll find this higher rate of obesity. Okay. There are a number of reasons for that, uh, which are related to this idea that I talked a little bit about uh, previously about priming. So when you go into a fast food restaurant uh, and you order something, 
the fat content of the food that you get will be greater than what you consume from home. Okay, and, and there's lots of data on that. And what we know about fat content is that the human cannot recognize these fat calories. So the higher the fat content of food, the greater your caloric intake. And of course, the greater your caloric intake, the greater you're gonna gain weight. Secondly, you walk into a fast food restaurant and you have a variety of different foods there. It's not like you come home for dinner, there's one thing that you're gonna have. You know, there's a whole variety of things. But what we also know about uh, variety, the more, uh, the greater the variety of foods that are offered to you, the more you're going to eat. And this is probably, you know, same type of mechanism as the priming mechanism. It says there's, there's more foods out there, take advantage of it, you know, eat, okay? So we have greater variety, we have a higher fat content of, of the foods out there. We're also, when we go into a fast food restaurant, we don't eat in an isolated room, mm. but we're surrounded by people who are eating, right? And what we also know about human eating behavior is that you are affected by people that are eating around you. We've done studies, a lot, there's quite a few studies out there showing that if you show a video of people eating and you put a little uh, snack in front of them, they will eat more than if you just showed them uh, uh, pictures of cars or landscaping. In other words, seeing that food, seeing uh, people eating that food actually stimulates you to eat. Okay. That's one of those priming mechanisms. So it's also uh, increasing your, your tendency to eat. So, um, and also, of course, the, the, uh, the, there are thousands of uh, uh, of fast food commercials, but if you're gonna have a business, you're gonna advertise them. If you advertise them, you're gonna show people eating. And if you see people eating, it's gonna make you wanna eat. So all these factors are working on you to get you to eat more calories than you expend and hence the obesity epidemic that we're in right now. So are people that are able to like successfully lose weight, are they able to sort of like get rid of that priming um, aspect that they have in their mind? Or is that just like a, like a psychological aspect that they're able to like overcome? Well, th there are people who can do this. Uh, they're rare. <laughs> Most people cannot just lose weight and sustain that weight loss. It's arguably somewhere like 50% of people uh, can lose weight. And out of that 50%, maybe, 25% can sustain that for any period of time. So it's very difficult. And that's why a procedure that we've been researching for a while seems to be very beneficial. And it's not complicated. It's very easy. Uh, it's an instrument you probably have in your homes right now. It's called the bathroom scale. It is simply weighing yourself a little bit more than just weighing yourself. You have to keep track of your weight. So you plot out that weight over time and you look at that weight every morning 
that will allow you to inhibit your responses to all these stimuli, all these primes that make you want to eat a little bit more. And hence you can stop gaining weight. And we've demonstrated in experiments uh, that in both we can stop freshmen from gaining weight, we can stop uh, uh, people who go to a health club from gaining weight, we can stop older people uh, from gaining weight if they see a record of their weight. Okay, that information is really critical because otherwise they are inundated by all these stimuli and they're going to do what humans do in response to these stimuli. They eat. If they eat, they're going to continue to gain weight. Funny enough, I think like I'm a perfect example of the success of that um, type of weight loss because that's exactly what I did when I was losing weight. I would check my weight every morning and it would give me like a concrete number that would get me closer to a goal. So it made it easier for me to like push out external stimuli. But gee, I did. I wasted my life doing all these experiments. <laughs> you just called on you and you know the, the secret already. Um, I had a question about like weight loss because I know a lot of people, um, especially sort of like in high school too, a lot of people will talk about it where they're like, um, sort of like larger people, they'll talk about how, like how difficult it is to like lose weight and like, uh, like shed those pounds. And then very skinny or thin people will talk about how difficult it is to try and gain weight um, and like put on muscle. And so I sort of had a question about um, like losing weight in like a wrong way, I guess like losing weight too fast because personally, like, from, like my own personal experience, um, I was extremely heavy. I was almost 230 pounds at my like highest level. And then um, within about four months, I cut down to about 160 pounds. And then at my lowest, I was around 152. And so sort of like, there was lots of different, um, I guess like side effects that I experienced from that uh, extreme weight loss, whether it was like feeling dizzy or just like, um, it just didn't look how I thought, I, like I expected it to look. And so what are your thoughts on like rapid weight loss and sort of like, I guess, addressing it in a more like safer manner? Uh Rapid weight loss is not good, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, you, you've got to find, somebody mentioned earlier, a lifestyle that you can live with. Um, what it usually uh, means is that you have to learn to eat with less food. Uh, for most people, that, that's difficult, but for others, you can learn to do this. You can learn to take smaller portion sizes. You can learn to skip a snack. You can learn to skip a meal. You can learn to skip a whole day without eating. It's not going to kill you. You're not going to die of starvation. Our body has had millions of years to evolve mechanisms to prevent you from, from uh, dying if you don't have food. Because that, that's how we evolved. Uh, but you can learn these things. Uh, it, it takes some effort, not a lot, but it takes some effort and uh, I believe that most people need this little crutch, um, that number on that scale to kind of guide them as to how to maintain that weight. Uh, but, but losing weight rapidly, I can guarantee, in fact, there's some data out there showing that the more rapidly you lose weight, the more rapidly that weight is gonna return, which is gonna, just magnify all the problems you have. 
Yeah, um, I saw I saw that as well because when I was uh, losing weight, when I watch videos on like how to do it properly, like one of the main like premises they had is do not like overdo it because I feel like when you're in that progress of losing weight, when you're in that like like when you're down the hill, like after those first two weeks, it gets somewhat addicting and you want to do it more, but you have to like prevent yourself from going too far or going regressing back. You have to stay at that consistent lifestyle that you choose um, as right. long as you can. Yeah, absolutely right. Yep. So, so doctor, go ahead. Oh, okay. So one of the questions that we had just in general are what are some misconceptions that the public might have about food consumptions and its general effects on us? Oh, how many thousands? <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing that is well known that's been verified is that uh, most people do not have any conception of what the caloric value of food is. And it's the calories that's important. This is yeah. not, not any other can, can, uh, constituent. Uh, but most people can't recognize it. There's study after study has shown when they test people, how many calories is it, do you think is in this? You know, they, they don't have the faintest idea. Okay, so that's that's one of the big biggest problems uh, in this area. Um, they also, there's a lot of other weird ideas that if you eat uh, at uh, late at night, uh, you're going to gain weight if you rather than eat early in the morning. There's no no scientific evidence supporting that at all. Um, and there are just so many myths that, that have evolved around that because it's, it's easy to sell a newspaper article or a magazine article, come up with a new idea. You know, it's, a, it's the phase of the moon that's making a game. Yeah, and you can sell it. You can sell it as an idea. Um, but it doesn't mean it's true. Um, Dr. Levitsky, I sort of wanted to like switch gears and ask you, like, how did you enter this field and what was sort of like your passion for conducting research in this area? Uh, <laughs> I have a long version and a short version <laughs> of, of this. I, um, I actually got into it accidentally. <laughs> Um, I, I was in uh, college and I needed a, a work study job. Uh, my, current, my parents weren't that, that wealthy. Um, and I started working in a laboratory where uh, it was a laboratory in psychology where the psychologist there was interested in an aspect of feeding behavior, which, which got me involved. And I um, I just got entranced by the idea that these professor and other professors can take a complex problem and break it down into experimental questions that you can ask and come up with an answer. Mm. And I, I, that just fascinated me that you could use the, the human mind to come up with these with solutions to real-world problems, um, I'm uh, I was trained in psychology and, and the behavior of eating, uh, but my major appointment here at Cornell is in nutrition, and the reason I like nutrition 
is nutrition says, well, you can study any problem and, and psychology, psychology is closer related to uh, philosophy where you can ask any question you want, but nutrition says, but there are real world problems. So the question you have to ask is how is this going to help solve a real world problem? And so I've always had uh, joint appointments. My major appointments have always been in um, nutrition because uh, to understand the eating is, is what, what I'm all about. But I've also had a foot in psychology because it's behavior that we really want to change. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's kept me on both, both fields for my entire career. Yeah, going off the um, what you said about real world problems, I was reading a little bit about um, just like kind of your philosophy towards the um, whole premise of eating. And you said that um, through a combination of incentives that uh, obesity or weight gain could be reduced effectively. So mm -hmm. in a perfect world, how exactly would those incentives play out? Well, if I were king of the universe, <laughs> <laughs> I, I could, um, well, if I was just president, one of the things that I would uh, recommend is everyone have a scale in their bathroom. Okay, because I, I, I think that's really critical. Uh, we're, we're not going to ask the food companies not to sell their food or to advertise. There's no way they're too powerful. You can't yeah. do it. Uh, but I think you can train people to be sensitive to energy balance by weighing themselves and that could control their weight for long periods of time unless until they stop doing that at least i've seen no evidence that it doesn't continue for as long as you continue to weigh yourself yeah yeah i think that's really inspiring especially because um at least in my experience um i've met a lot of students that sort of struggle with this idea of losing weight or even gaining weight for that matter and so i think it's going to be really awesome just for them to understand like the specific things that they need to be aware about to like start that process because people will try and start it and they become overwhelmed and they give up halfway and so yeah thank you so much dr uh, levitsky um i had one last question about um just like advice in general for high schoolers um so i think a lot of people that are trying to get into research especially high schoolers and like undergrads at college, um, they're sort of overwhelmed with like the, the, the amount of like complex reading material that you have to cover and sort of like the really complex ideas that you have to understand. So what's like your advice or do you have any tips for students that are trying to get into research or different areas of science um, that are trying to like, I guess, find their place? Yeah. Well, I think there's no better way of learning than by doing. Mm. So what I, I would not subject, uh, suggest that your freshman year that you get in, in college, that you get involved in research. Your freshman year at Cornell is you're learning the Cornell system. You're learning um, what is expected on exams, uh, what is expected in labs, you're learning how to be a, a good student. Uh, and th there's a lot of learning. It, it doesn't come naturally to everybody. So, so you learn the system. After your, your freshman year, I suggest 
you knock, you, first of all, you go to a web, look up the kind of research that faculty and whatever it's psychology, nutrition, physiology, doesn't make any difference. Um, but you look, you find something that, that looks interesting to you. And uh, what I suggest, the little tricks that I suggest is you look up and you see the kind of research this, this person is doing, read some of the papers, then go see this professor and say, you know, I read this professor you published in, in 2015 and I thought that was really interesting, okay? That'll get your foot in the door of, of most laboratories and try it out. Okay. Yeah. And, and if it looks boring to you, go to another lab. You know, they, they, there are thousands of different projects that, that uh, are being uh, researched in, in various universities and colleges. And just look around to find something that really turns you on. But it's got to turn you on. Research is a lot of hard work. It's mostly hard work uh, rather than anything else. And you got to love it. So uh, uh, what I would suggest is find something you love and go with it. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think a lot of us, even me, can get something out of that. Well, we don't want to take too much of your time. So, But thank you so much for this opportunity to speak to you. I feel like this has been really helpful. I'm sure our listeners and us have learned a lot from your advice. Um, before we end this, do you have any last words of advice for our audience? Uh, last word is keep trying. Don't, don't take no. If you don't get in the school you want, you know, there are other schools around. There is no perfect school. Yeah, you could find great professors at any college or anything else. And what you're going to, the, the school that you eventually will, will choose is the professor. And you're not choosing them uh, because of um, their papers, but what you want is to learn how to think. And that's what you really learn in college is how to think. So uh, I would say pursue what you're interested in, seek some extra help through doing research, uh, and don't take no for an answer. If you really like it, keep pursuing it. Thank you so much, Dr. Levitsky. Um, I okay. think, yes, the advice that you gave us is really, really valuable. So yeah, thank you so much. Okay. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, comment on our posts, and share this podcast with your friends. We'll see you guys again next week. Bye.